0: There are some people out there who thrive on excitement, who consider themselves to be daredevils, want their whole lives to feel spontaneous, and others rely on day-to-day structure. They're happy when they can control their surroundings and other elements of the environment. And also, for some people, change can truly be debilitating. There is something called adjustment disorder. And I have here a quote from Dr. Nikki Nance, who is an assistant professor of human services and psychology at Beacon College in Florida, And they say, adjustment disorder occurs when an individual's stressors exceed their resources for coping.
1: Welcome to the Multiamory Podcast.
2: I'm Jace. I'm Emily.
0: And I'm Dedeker.
2: We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past.
0: So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you, and we're here for you.
1: On this episode of the Multi podcast, we're talking about navigating big life changes with your partner or partners. Some big life changes, while exciting and motivated, can still be incredibly stressful and can threaten to break apart your relationship or at least make it more difficult for a while. We're going to discuss some things that can happen to you both physically and mentally when big change happens. Challenges that might arise for you and your partners. And then finally, some tips and tricks to help you move through these changes effectively and easily, or at least as effectively and easily as possible.
2: Yeah, that's always the goal. Let's just try to make things easier at the very least. Like, (laughs) let's help out with that. This is a little more personal, but I recently moved out of the apartment that I've lived in for almost six years with my partner, and he and I moved into a new apartment together. So that's, you know, fairly common uh, everyday thing a lot of people do that but it still was fairly stressful and it got me thinking like hey people have these kind of big life changes that happen and even something like a move because it happens over you know a process of a month or maybe a couple weeks or something it puts like a lot of stress on a relationship and a lot of stress on you personally physically mentally all of those things. So I just kind of wanted to dive into what people go through when like, big life changes occur, or even maybe smaller life changes, but something happens that is a change in sort of what occurs within you and within the other person while that's happening.
0: Yeah, and just a caveat to get out of the way right at the top of this episode so that you, the listener, are aware The kinds of changes that we're going to be focusing on and discussing in this episode are life changes that probably most people will perceive as positive. That's kind of the main focus that we have right now. Although we have done and we want to do other episodes on helping your partner and yourself through a big change like something like the death of a loved one. There are certain topics where we really want to just give the episode that entire focus. So Mm -hmm. for this episode, we're going to focus more on what to do when some exciting and potentially positive changes can still feel really big and scary and become a huge source of stress.
2: Yeah, this is interesting. We talked about this a little bit in our, like, flight, fight, and freeze episode, but change operates in your brain the same, whether it's a positive change or a negative change. Your brain just simply doesn't love change, and that's not every single person, but for the most part, the amygdala, the primitive part of our brain, reacts to change as it would react to more of a dangerous situation. So it can lead to a lot of stress and anxiety and fear surrounding that big change, even if it's something that you're super excited about, or maybe you're excited about it like a month earlier, and then it actually happens where you have a lot of anxiety leading up to it, and then it happens, and you're in the midst of that anxiety and fear and stuff like that.
0: And it's also regardless of whether it's a change that we're
2: expecting or not, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes the anxiety gets worse when it's something that you are expecting. Right. You're expecting it, and so you have to dwell on it. You have to sit there and like think about it a lot and all of the what-ifs about that change. And so, yeah, it can definitely cause some stress for sure. And then if it's a change that you didn't see coming, absolutely, that can put a lot of stress on your life, regardless of whether it's a good or a bad change.
0: Mm. And yeah, that can also lead to cognitive dissonance, which is something that we discussed on our episode that was all about specifically cognitive biases, which is episode 160, which is, whoa, long time ago.
2: Gosh. <laughs> is amazing.
0: So I have a quote here from Dr. Shrinri Pillay, who is an assistant professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. And they say, when you change, it actually activates the conflict sensors in the brain. And this causes brain chaos that we call cognitive dissonance. The activation of the conflict sensor becomes stressful to people. So again, even if it's a positive change, it's still this sensor that's like, ooh, there's something conflicting going on in my world.
2: It's fascinating because sometimes I think when that conflict occurs and you're like, kind of having an upset reaction to positive change that may make you feel more upset because you're like, I should be feeling good about this. Mm. I should be really excited yeah. and happy. Like, why is that not what's happening right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To, to continue quotes from Dr. Pillay, when it comes to positive life changes, the brain is still challenged to do something different. Even if that change is positive, it can induce anxiety or uncertainty or a feeling of unfamiliarity. And this generally precipitates habit pathways in the brain. Meaning, as soon as you feel stress, you want to go back to old habits. It's like, hmm. it's like I'm in a so new you're like, unfamiliar territory. I don't know where the predators are. Let me get back to where I was comfortable. Even if this new place is better.
2: I'm curious, do you feel like the two of you are more change adverse or like you... Really, really like spontaneity and newness and stuff like that.
0: Oh, I think I'm pretty change averse, really? actually, for someone I'm who I'm surprised. Yeah, historically, it's like traveled around so much, yeah, and been so loosey goosey and location independent. I, yeah, I really thrive on routine and stability, knowing what's coming down the pipe, knowing what's going to happen next, and before the pandemic, I feel like I was pretty good at actually getting that even with traveling so much and moving around. And so the pandemic definitely threw a lot of that out of whack for me. I
2: think for a lot of people, absolutely. What about you, Juz?
1: Well, I'm just thinking about times when Dedeker and I have traveled together, specifically, that we definitely, even if we're staying in different places, like when we were pet sitting, You know, we're always staying in different people's Places with different animals and different setups in different countries, things like that, but that we would tend to have certain things like certain areas or certain kind of things we would establish in any of those homes to sort right. of have like some, staying.
0: going through a little ritual to set up here's my working space and your working space
1: and here's like a I- place we put stuff when we're coming in and out of the house. Right. Like this this is, is where the
0: keys go. Yeah. Like there's like something about of even in an unfamiliar space, still setting up something familiar. That's, that's relatively
2: unchanging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I- I've heard it said that humans are really, really good at adapting to new situations. However, that's an interesting point that you two were talking about that. Like I set up like a space that is familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that adaption kind of moves in that area. Like, you create something that's familiar and therefore you're able to adapt to it because it becomes a
1: safe space for you in a way. I don't know. I think something that's worth thinking about maybe with this whole episode is I think when we talk about stress in popular psychology, we tend to only think of it in a negative context. And while stress is you know, difficult and can cause problems and is, is for lack of a better word, is stressful – that that stressfulness isn't inherently a bad thing, right? Like if you think about exercise, exercise is putting stress on your muscles or on your body for the purpose of it, you know, growing and and improving. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you could argue that solving a difficult puzzle or learning something is stressing your brain, causing it to work. But sometimes that can feel good. And I think it's like that interesting thing of finding balance, and so I yeah. think it is that like we can adapt to new things, and maybe for some people we, we really crave novel experiences, but we also need to have a certain amount of comfort. And it's like striking that balance between having just enough stress, not avoiding mm-hmm. it altogether.
0: So ultimately all of our brains are different, and therefore they will react differently to change. There are some people out there who thrive on excitement, who consider themselves to be daredevils, want their whole lives to feel spontaneous, and others rely on day-to-day structure. They're happy when they can control their surroundings and other elements of the environment. And also for some people, change can truly be debilitating. There is something called adjustment disorder. And I have here a quote from Dr. Nikki Nance, who is an assistant professor of human services and psychology at Beacon College in Florida. And they say, adjustment disorder occurs when an individual's stressors exceed their resources for coping. So it's kind of like when we were talking in the trauma response episode or the survival response episode about can you feel and can you deal, <laughs> essentially, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. sometimes a change can create such big waves that like, we can't deal you know, the feels are too much and so we can't deal. And so this can be typified, you know, by having like a reaction that's disproportionate to the event that you're reacting to. Things like situational depression also fall under this umbrella where, you know, you can feel sadness, anger, crying spells, but rather than it being like more standard depressive disorder, you know, situational depression is mostly specifically triggered by some kind of outside stressor, such as A life change and often tends to resolve once a person has adjusted to the situation.
1: Yeah. So someone with adjustment disorder might expect excitement or elation to occur if they're told they just got a promotion, for example, that should be exciting. But in fact, it might hit them with a huge wave of anxiety and start sobbing instead. And I would even argue that even outside of the realm of specifically a disorder, that can happen, where it's just sort of everything hits you all at once. Even if it's something you've been working hard for, maybe for several months or years, when you finally get it, sometimes that's overwhelming, especially if it is a really big change. But there are six different types of adjustment disorders and symptoms that might manifest as depression, fighting and recklessness, brain fog, and more. Many of them... As Dedeker said before, they're temporary, tend to resolve themselves on their own once you become adjusted to the situation. However, as always, if you find yourself truly debilitated by it and it's negatively affecting your life, it might be a good idea to speak to a mental health professional and see if they can help you with that.
2: All righty. So what are some examples of big life changes that can cause our brains to sort of go into panic mode? And these are, again maybe perceived as, like, positive changes or exciting changes. Some of them are going to be changes that might be spontaneous, might happen, you know, when you least expect it, and some are changes that happen when you've been planning for them for a while. So, for example, moving, moving to a new city or a state or to a new apartment or even to a new country, as the two of you have done often. Moving into a new place with a roommate or a partner or many partners or even a parent or having any of those things happen to you. So parent moving in with you, a partner moving in with you, a roommate moving in with you, stuff like that. Maybe even moving out of a place that you shared with someone, romantic partner, parents, roommates, etc. The articles that I looked up, a lot of them talked about The empty nesters, so Mm, when, you know, mm, kids go away to college, that kind of thing, it can both be, like, super challenging and really exciting, because finally I get, like, some of my space back for the first time. Getting a new job or promotion.
1: Yeah, also something like changing a career, right? Even bigger than that, maybe you've wanted to get into a new line of work and you finally get it. That can still be very stressful. Buying a home or or a big purchase, maybe buying a car, just kind of depends where you're at having a child whoa big life change there <laughs> or
0: yeah. having or having a fur child as i've experienced from watching my partner alex
2: adopting <laughs> a puppy that we've, we've all gotten a little bit of adorable experience of definitely
0: that i mean from my perception positive change but has also produced you know a fair amount of quite understandable anxiety
1: mm-hmm. yeah Yeah, totally. As Emily said, you know, having a child move away from home to go out to college or just to move into their own place. Various stages of the more traditional relationship escalator, right? The change from dating around to being exclusive or moving in with each other or getting engaged or getting married or... Opening
0: up your relationship.
1: Absolutely. I would say opening up a relationship is a big one.
0: Yeah, some things that may be on the horizon for some of y'all listening to this episode, something like getting back out there in the dating scene after, let's say, a pandemic or any kind of just long stretch of time. And while we're at it, just seeing any people whatsoever socializing with friends and family after a pandemic, maybe I've going seen... back into the office again after even working mm. at home for a long time. There's a lot that we're on. The That's cusp a lot of anxiety
2: here. inducing yeah.
0: potential there. Yeah. Yeah. Another one is coming out. And I realize, you know, coming out depending on, you know, what you're coming out about is not necessarily a one and done, but it's a big life stage and a big life step if you're coming out in a way where it's, yeah, I'm very much embracing a self or an identity that is different from how I've been perceived. By others. That that's huge. Also, things like the end of a relationship. Of course, that can be tied to if you're cohabiting with someone. Also, the moving out, also a little bit of a loss of identity, like so many things can be tied to that. Other examples, I don't know, just off the top of my head, applying for six months to get a travel exemption to go to Australia oh, yeah. and then finally getting it after like a mountain of paperwork and BS, and it's super stressful and anxiety producing. You know, something like that, perhaps. Just 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 as Pull a random example out of thin air.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I recall you talking to me about it afterwards and just being like, oh my gosh, like now it's actually happening. Now I actually got it. Whoa, this is really intense. And there's so many other logistical factors that I now have to think about because this occurred.
0: It's been a whole thing, but that's like all, you know, a story for another time. Yeah, Yeah. I get it.
1: It's interesting. I've been thinking about this where, you know, I know that so many people really struggled at the beginning of the pandemic adjusting to whatever it is, right? Whatever changes happened in their part of the world at that time and how stressful that was. And I've been thinking about this now because the the place where I work, you know, and I work remotely and I worked remotely before the pandemic even, but, you know, everyone switched to working from home, but they're planning, you know, within a couple months to have everyone come back into the office. and. Whoa. Really? Yeah, yeah, starting in June. And I was thinking about it, especially in the context of this episode, and just going, you know, I think everyone's like so excited to, you know, get back into the office or to have your employees come back into the office or to get back out there and socialize in ways that you were before. But I will bet that what they won't be ready for is the amount of stress it's going to cause for themselves and for everyone. And I actually think a lot of companies are going to experience... Some waves. Some waves. Well, and maybe some, a some lull some productivity
2: as well. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think
1: it's not going to be this exciting, great change that everyone thinks it is because we're going to go back through that transition thing. And I think people aren't thinking about that. They're just ignoring the fact that this is going to be a really, really big transition that's yeah, going to exactly. be hard, even if all of us felt positively about it. And maybe all of us don't. But even right. if we all did there's it's still it's going to be stressful it's going to be hard and i think companies need to be aware of that yeah i've
2: seen so many posts on twitter jokingly talking about having to go back out and like socialize with people and how we're all going to be at a big party just standing around like not knowing what the hell to say to each other (laughs) yeah because we have forgotten how to socialize in that way with multiple people in front of our face and that (laughs) is really scary and anxiety inducing yeah, even though I think that so many of us for so long were like, oh, I want this pandemic to be over. I'm so over it. I'm so tired of this. But we really have gotten used to it. No,
0: I, I can already yeah. anticipate the wave of so many medium articles that
1: come out <laughs> yeah. or New
0: York Times articles of people talking about like, hey, actually, there's a lot of things that suck still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, about going yeah. back to this, maybe socializing wasn't as great as we thought it was or maybe being in the office wasn't as great as we thought it was, you know, I like that's definitely gonna happen.
1: But I think to bring it back to this episode, I think what the big takeaway here is with that is that maybe it is great. Maybe you do love socializing and you love being back in the office and not working from home or whatever it is. But just to realize that, as Emily said before, even with this change, that's really positive moving to a cool new apartment that you're excited about or getting a promotion, it's still stressful. And mm-hmm. so to, you know, and we'll talk about some things you can do later in the episode too, but just keep that in mind that like it is going to be stressful, even if it is all good, right? So what happens to our bodies when this big life change happens, things like anxiety, This can also be, you know, like the physical symptoms of anxiety, you know, like sweaty palms or heart palpitations or shortness of breath, things like that. This could result in depression and sadness. And again, as Emily pointed out, that weird feeling of guilt of like, why do I feel depressed and sad about this when this should be Mm -hmm. a good thing? What's wrong with me? Could be fear, could be the four F's, the freeze, flight, freeze, fawn, fight. Put those in a weird order. <laughs> yep. There's some, some repeats there. in there, you but I think there. we know what you mean. You know, maybe anger, resentment, lashing out, uh, inability to make decisions, just overall feeling of dread or discomfort, and like the confusion that comes with that. Why am I feeling this? So just yeah, be aware.
2: Yeah, I have a a story. A colleague of mine at work recently qualified for low income housing and got her first apartment, and she has a son. A young son and is moving out with her young son to this apartment for the first time out of her parents' house. And she was so excited and like showed me a video of the place and was really, really happy about it. And then, like a week later, when she actually had moved, I asked her about the move and she said, You know, it's been really, really difficult to, you know, adjust to being on my own for the first time, even though I have my son, I don't have my parents. I don't know how to do everything that I need to do stuff like that and it, it's really interesting it it really made me stop and think I'm like wow yeah that that makes a lot of sense like regardless of how excited you are initially or how excited you think you should be sometimes the adjustment period is pretty big.
1: Yeah.
0: It's given me a lot of thoughts recently going through current big life changes or being on the cusp of some life changes that it's really made me reevaluate how I respond to people who are going through a change that I perceive to be unequivocally really positive, yeah. because what I found is like when I share with like with clients or you know people that I'm working with, and I sh- I you know share from a more practical perspective of like oh yeah I have this thing coming up where I'm going to be going back to Australia to reunite with my partner, and and a lot of people are like oh my god that's so great congratulations like you got the thing, and while I, I appreciate that there's probably that's just like that's not the full picture though. I'm full of all mm. the feelings. It's like positive and, and negative and like scary and stressful and like everything. And like, I don't feel that same energy of just being able to be like, Woo! yay, birthday. Yeah. What's that thing? A party. A what's wooga. that thing you blow at a birthday party in a wooga? <laughs> like I'm not all a woogas. I'm kind of a little bit of wooga, but mostly I'm kind of like womp, womp, womp mm. a little bit. And then there's also guilt and shame about that. So it, it really has got me thinking about I don't know, you know, I think it's really wonderful to celebrate things with people. But maybe when I'm listening to someone sharing a positive change, maybe before jumping straight to, oh, my God, that's so great, like giving a little space for them to. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, yeah. maybe leaving a little more open ended instead of just assuming it's all wonderful. Because I do think that that can probably exacerbate the feelings of guilt. Yeah. Mm. You know, if it's like, oh, I don't feel 100% happy or elated about this. It's actually much more complicated than that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I wish I could have like revised what I said to the woman who moved out to be like, hey, like I get I'm here for you. That's totally normal. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're going to talk about how to navigate all of this fear and anxiety and intense newness that's happening in these big emotional changes. But first, we're going to talk about some ways that you can help us continue to bring this show out there to the masses for free. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited
1: by law. 18+. plus. Turns and conditions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamAndEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also
0: That's Multi, M-U-L-T-I, at AdamandEve.com, AdamMail.com, or Eve'sToys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. And we're back! So how is it that we deal with these life changes so that all that fear and anxiety don't get the best of us? Even if it's normal for it to be there, how do we get better at coping, at being more balanced with this? Much of the same advice that we've given on the show in the past applies here when you're personally going through a big life change. But of course, there are going to be some special considerations when you have another person or multiple other people, like a partner or partners, going through the change at the same time with you.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to talk about some of the things that I sort of discovered when I was moving that my partner and I were sort of like doing at the same time or at different times. And I'm interested to kind of hear if the two of you have like gone through similar things. But I was surprised that first of all, the two of us kind of like went back and forth trading anxieties. So there were times when like, I was super anxious about something Or there were times when he was super anxious about something. And that's tough when you don't have the same time that anxiety is occurring. When, like, you may just be like, wow, I'm totally fine about this and excited, and why aren't you? And then Mm -hmm. at another point in time, he's like, I feel good. Why aren't you happy right now? That's really tough. So, for instance... I was super on the ball about trying to find a place. I set up a bunch of appointments and stuff because he was kind of scared about that, or just he had a a rougher time, like you know, getting getting us together and getting us excited about moving and stuff like that. When the move occurred, I was really anxious about where the hell do I put everything. I don't know how to put up curtains. I don't know how to like (laughs) do decorating. He's really good at all that stuff, and so I was just you know in an anxious mode after the move whereas he was more of an anxious mood when the move happened beforehand. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, I can definitely relate to this kind of going back and forth, even with Dedeker's example about her travel exemption to be able to go to Australia of of that, of like her kind of right at first kind of freaking out about it. And I was the one being like, no, you're all right. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And then kind of trading off sometimes where it's like, oh, now I feel sad, even though, but I am excited about it too, but I'm also sad. And just that really kind of being sort of all over the place personally, as well as your partner. And I imagine for Dedeker there's also that with Alex on the other side. And so there's like extra dynamics for her of complication. Oh, all yeah. That.
0: It's like, both of, both yeah. Of it all. yeah, I think that's the thing I've also learned is, yeah, when you have multiple partners and essentially there's a life change that's affecting everybody in some mm-hmm. way, it really keeps you on your toes if yeah. you're a hinge partner, for sure, especially yeah. with what you're describing, Emily, this kind of like trading off anxieties or kind of being at a different place in the peak or the trough of the wave of anxiety or what triggers your anxieties being really different for each person. Uh, This is also something, though, where I feel more recently and maybe in a smaller level that, Jace, you know, whenever you and I are traveling somewhere, especially pre-pandemic, whenever we were traveling somewhere to be there for a few months at a time, I feel like we would trade off on, like, travel anxieties. Mm, Yeah. Specifically, I think I would tend to be a little bit more chill- beforehand and then less chill after arriving i don't right. know what's and, I, and i tend to
1: have more anxiety for like the, the couple weeks leading up to traveling and then maybe less once we're actually doing it so yeah that yeah i would agree we kind of have a similar kind of trade-off each time we do that
2: so something i found also is that there were definitely things that we didn't agree on in terms of this process so for instance when we were looking for a place i was like well I don't care where we live. We can live wherever in Los Angeles. And he very much wants to stay in this area. And we didn't have that entirely aligned. He also really wanted to weigh his options and take time with things. Whereas I find something, let's do it, let's go for it. And, Uh you know, it doesn't quite like line up in that way. If you're doing something with another person, you have to manage. The fact that both of you are not going to agree on everything and that maybe in an idyllic world, yes, that will happen. But in reality, that's probably going to be something that you're going to have to contend with.
0: Well, that is a good thing, though, with my experience with Jace of us moving around so often in the past and having to resettle in new places. I do think we started to anticipate where our areas of disagreement were going to be interesting <laughs> like, yeah we That's could walk good. into a yeah we could walk into a house and be like ooh, we're gonna fight about that space or <laughs> right. ooh, i know that i better do this so that you don't get upset about that yeah. in a good way like i do feel like that was a little bit of a skill by going through that particular transition many times but of course the first few times it was all a surprise to find out what were the things that like we agreed on versus didn't agree on.
2: Yeah, and that's interesting, too, when when it's, like, something that you don't expect. You're like, Mm, whoa, really? That's something that you're not wanting or that you're upset about or that you don't agree on with me? That's too bad,
1: so. Yeah, Yeah, for sure, when it kind of catches you by surprise. And it is, I think, for most people, you generally don't get as much practice moving spaces as Dedeker and I have (laughs) practiced for a number of years, you know, when we were able to travel around a lot. But I will say there is a difference there too between that kind of we're going to a place for a few months, so it's not just like a vacation. Mm. You know, we're going there, we're working, we're we're living in the place. But that's still very different from we're buying a place or sure, we're right. signing a lease yeah. on something. Then there's kind of a different level. Well, we're of permanently moving or,
0: across the country, yeah, or quote to unquote, country. permanently.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I could I could see that too with you know, jobs or something. Like I have a friend who his girlfriend got a job that took her across the country. And, you know, that's been a big adjustment for them too. And Mm -hmm. can cause some of these similar things of like, what do we agree on? And what do we disagree on? And some of that was surprising, I think for them. And I think that's not uncommon in that kind of situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's even more special considerations to think about when like it affects one person, In maybe a positive way, but then to the other partner, it feels negative because maybe that thing is taking them away from you in a way.
1: Right, and it's that conflict of like I'm happy for you, but I also want you to not take it because it means you're going to be away from me. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's yeah, it's yeah, that's
2: that's hard to navigate too. Sometimes the stresses that we were feeling were directed at each other, and this didn't happen that much, but definitely like. I think that when you are tired and when you're stressed, it's really easy to get upset at the other person and be snippy or snappy or, you know, not as patient as you could be, stuff like that, simply because you your, you know, faculties are just compromised at that point. And so you can't really deal with all of the stress as well as perhaps you should be able to.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely (laughs) that and i've definitely had some times of getting snippy with each other i know sometimes yeah just even i find even the stress of like someone coming to visit for even a weekend or a week like that even that can be stressful and can lead to you like not enjoying your time with them visiting Mm -hmm. as much too because you're kind Mm -hmm. of more just like irritated or snippy even though like you want them to be here you want them to visit you it is a complicated thing that can That's be a very really good confusing point. yeah
2: yeah like somebody yeah. coming in and hanging out with you yeah but it's stuff right. like it doesn't feel as exciting or good as you want it to in that moment yeah i also there were definitely some things that we couldn't plan for so like you know things going wrong i mean like one of my furniture pieces like only half of it arrived and like some things got like dinged or broken in the move or you know, whatever we we didn't have quite as much space, like storage space as we thought we were going to. So then we had to purge, which is not a bad thing, but definitely like kind of threw a wrench in when we got here, stuff like that. So there you can't like have a contingency plan for absolutely everything, but it definitely it like those little things kind of sometimes pile up and then they cause like your anxieties or your emotions that maybe are negative to go into overdrive in that moment.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's that difficult thing of needing to stay on your toes. I think whenever you're going through a change like this, and that's hard when you are someone who relies on routine and knowing what's going to happen next, and maybe both you and your partner are that way, that sometimes it's kind of like, how can we help each other in this dance of needing to stay on our toes and be yeah. able to, to react to whatever comes up for
2: us? I mean, it reminds me of non-monogamy in a lot of ways because a lot of people will try to have a contingency plan for everything. And it simply like, is not going to work. Like it's not going to happen. There will always be something that you can't plan for. And so in a way you just kind of have to roll with the punches, but that is tough. And it can cause, especially people who really like to be in control. It can be very challenging.
1: Yeah. I'm actually in the process of taking a a course on project management And one of the things that comes up in that is this juxtaposition of, on the one hand, you want to try to plan things and plan for all your contingencies and have fallbacks and have escalation protocols and whatever to handle everything. And at the same time, you need to be flexible and realize that it's always going to change and it's never going to work out the way you want it to. So it's Mm -hmm. like that interesting mix of having structure while still having that structure be flexible. And I think that that takes, I don't know, takes some practice to find a way to do that, especially when you're coordinating with other people, whether that's a whole team at work or whether that's with a partner or a roommate or whatever.
2: Totally. I finally, one of the things that I found was that we got super exhausted, especially me. I didn't take any time off of work. So like I did like back-to-back shifts with like, moving stuff over here and then having an eight-hour moving day and then going to work the next day. And I just, it was not great of me. I was dead tired. And then, like, I went over to clean our old apartment and that took five hours and it was just, it was a lot. And so if you're tired, you're not going to be at your best self for your partner. And Mm. that seemed to happen over and over again, especially, like, during this time because there's a lot of logistical stuff involved in moving and in a lot of these types of big changes maybe it's going to physically take you down to a point where you simply like aren't able to be at your best
1: yeah that's something that's come up a lot of the times even just when dedeker and i have been traveling around is i especially am bad at this but often not Realizing that I need to give myself some buffer days on either side of that, mm. I kind of assume mm-hmm. like I can just hit the ground and go right back to work as I normally do. We really do, hope that
2: and- we can, but yeah. yeah.
1: And it's just yeah, everything kind of suffers when trying to overcommit that way. I think it's easy to underestimate how much of your energy goes to just kind of managing the fact that there's change, right? Mm. That that takes mm-hmm. energy too, in addition to just physically doing all the things you're going to need to do but also that of just like the energy to to cope with it, like the mental energy of all that.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: Can relate. Finally, how do we make our big life changes as easy as possible for ourselves and our partners? I think this is a really relevant question to ask because citing Gottman Institute research, they have found that a big predictor of divorce and relationship happiness slash unhappiness is tied to how the people in the relationship deal with external stress. This is actually a thing. And specifically with relapse as well, if people have Mm. gone to couples therapy or marriage therapy, that depending on how they deal with life stress is also um, correlated with whether or not they're going to relapse and kind of undo all the work and all the tools that they picked up in therapy. So this is a really important thing to think about. You know, So I think first thing is we can be cognizant of that. We did an episode a while back, 267, that was about de-stressing together with your partner. And we talked about particularly having a formula for a de-stressing conversation. I think it's really important to have with your partner or partners, you know, figure out what are your rituals that the two of you use to recharge together and to renew yourselves. And it could be different from what you're preferred date night activity is or it could be the same you know but like for instance your preferred way of recharging together could be we order really unhealthy takeout and <laughs> watch a trash tv show and that's how we recharge ourselves you know we kind of indulge in that every so often but you know i think it's this kind of thing where it's also important to find little areas where you can carve out a little a little tiny corner of time or space to be able to melt some of that anxiety and stress together.
2: And I think if you can help out your partner with their anxiety or stress, like for instance, like I said at the beginning, I I think the idea of like finding an apartment was overwhelming for my partner. And so I kind of picked up the reins there and I was the one who like made all the calls and researched the places and like made appointments for us to go and see things I And also, like, he was stressed about seeing movers in a time of COVID and, like, being with a bunch of people in a really small space, but I'm totally vaccinated, and so I was able to kind of take the reins on that on the moving day and sort of direct people in that smaller space. Then, like, on this end, he helped me with things like, you know, putting stuff up and helping me decide where to put things and taking the reins on stuff that causes me anxiety.
1: Yeah. So next, uh, I guess, kind of related to that, kind of segueing from that is just compromise. But compromise is key. And this, again, to go back to what Dedeker and I were saying before about when we would go into a new space, we could start to anticipate some of the conflicts that we were going to have. They were usually over how certain space was used or where things got put away versus do things get put away you know relating to like is this a space where things are so they're easy to access or is this a space where things are set temporarily and then are put away somewhere else and kind of our differing thoughts on that in different areas of the house as an example and that's something that one knowing that that's something to anticipate can help but also having a conversation about it and coming to a compromise of okay well what why is this important to you and why is this important to me Kind of reminds me a little bit of some things we 've talked about too, with kind of having these like fundamental disagreements with your partner, maybe about like timeliness or about how you spend money or something like that that a way that can help to deal with it is to understand better why they feel that way about it, not just oh well you 're wrong, let me tell you why i 'm right but like mm-hmm. why what what 's the meaning to you what 's the what 's the story to you here 's my story, this is the meaning it has for me can then help you to come up with compromises that, that actually do work, that actually address each other's more deeply seated needs and beliefs and feelings and, and values, I guess you could say, about these things, rather than just trying to argue over who's right. Because sometimes the perspectives are just different, and it's more important to acknowledge that than to try to you know argue over who's right.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's not to say like letting your partner like walk all over you or whatever, but I think that it no, is important. Not. Yeah. No, but it is important to kind of see the things like what is most important to me about what we're doing. If we have two things that are diametrically opposed to one another, mm-hmm. then like you can decide, okay, it, am I going to definitely like need this thing or am I able to give a little and allow them? their own space or their own time or whatever it is that they're wanting about whatever situation you're in. Compromise
1: is good. It's important. I'd say maybe maybe the other side to compromise, like something that compromise needs in order to be good and to be helpful is also advocating for yourself. That, right, that I think sometimes Communication. We, can preach, we can preach compromise without enough of that emphasis on, but also part of that compromise is getting clear on what are the parts of this that are most important to me so that we can find what are the ones that are most important to you and find the best compromise between those as opposed to compromise, meaning I'm just not going to get any of the things that I want because I want my partner to be happy, which ultimately is not great for them or for you actually. So yeah,
2: definitely like need to work on that one. But yeah, it's important to figure out like what mountains are you going to die on? Which is our next one.
0: Yeah, to think about picking your battles, and this is relevant, I think, especially if it's a little bit more of a one-sided life change, like maybe your partner is going through a big change and you're not, like maybe they are going through a career shift and you're not, or vice versa, which I think this can be a little bit different if you're going through something together. Sometimes if you're going through something together, you can feel more of a palpable sense of like, yeah, we're sharing this anxiety and this stress together versus if it's something that just one of you is going through. That I think the person, you know, if you're the person who's not going through the change and you're feeling a little bit more grounded, a little bit more resourced, and maybe less aware of good timing as far as like when to poke your partner or to bring up something that could be a point <laughs> of contention. I I like poking people. So, you know, that, yeah, it's just also important to, again, I think like we were talking about the compromise thing of just be aware of like, what's really the most important to you at this time? What are the things that you actually really need at this time, and, you know, just kind of figuring out your priorities from there.
2: Yeah, some of you may have a little bit, like, more patience during a time, and so you can give your partner the benefit of the doubt to a degree. And other times, hopefully, they'll offer you the same grace to a degree. Like, mm-hmm. that's important, because we we all are going to have our moments, and I think that is part of being in a relationship, is allowing someone to, like, have their freak out moments and be like fuck <laughs> and <laughs> for you to say okay that was a moment in time and i know that they care about me and they love me and that's not necessarily like representative of what of who they are or how they really like think they may have just had like a freak out in that moment and if you're able to give them that from time to time i think that's important
1: our next tip going back to what we'd talked about in the previous section is to try to plan for what you can it's got a nice rhyme to it there plan for what you can and i would say that part of that too is make a plan that involves expecting change and what i mean by that is like an example of a rigid plan is we keep using moving i'm trying to think like what's a different example of something to maybe make it simpler
2: like going on a trip
1: sure it's like going on a trip right so the non-flexible planning would look something like okay we're gonna get up at 6 a.m. We, you know, we're gonna pack up our things. We're gonna be in the car by 6:45. We're gonna go. When we get there, you know, these people are gonna be there waiting for us. They're gonna help us. We're gonna go do this and then that other thing, and we'll make sure that we've gotten, you know, the keys from this person to then go to this other place. And it's everything's kind of very linear, and each step relies on the previous step happening exactly as you expected it to happen. Whereas a more flexible plan could still look a little bit like that, but it could be. Here's, you know, the schedule or the agenda of that. And then at some point later in that day, here's a extra like block of time, an hour of padding in case those things didn't go according to plan. Or if they did, then we can go do something else. Or if it's something like a move or a relationship transition, like opening up a relationship, it might look something like, okay, let's do this for a week. And then let's plan to talk again and see, like, how does it feel so far? Mm. What might we want to adjust? Okay, great. Let's try this next thing for a week. Rather than, we're opening up our relationship. We're going to start doing it on this day. We'll both start dating people within a month of that. And then we'll, you know, have them move in six months after that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) right? Some really rigid thing that's planning on a bunch of things you can't control.
2: Yeah, I think planning things like a radar is really helpful in instances like this because you can take into account, like, hey, a move is coming up or a big thing, a big change is coming up. So let's check in and talk about it and try to figure out, like, how can we help each other and serve each other best during this time because we know that there's going to be a lot of anxiety involved and then plan for another one, mm-hmm. you know, a month later or whatever. And, also have the same sort of check-in. So I think there's a lot of planning that can be involved in any of this, even though you know that you're going to have moments where unplanned things are going to come up, and that's fine. But plan for the little things that you can control. Yeah. And like like plan
1: time for readjusting when they don't go that way, I guess. That's That's true. Yeah,
2: That's a good idea. So also be sure to carve out time to do things like eat and exercise and even our last one take a break take a break <laughs> run away with me for the summer let's go
0: and Let stay. yeah yes. okay uh, take a break they're necessary they help you to make sure that you don't get too overwhelmed and too exhausted if you're noticing that the two of you or three of you however many people are involved here are crabbing at each other or snapping at crabbing. each other you know just crabbing and labbing take a break. It's okay. Do whatever it is that you can, even if it's, I mean, in the middle of a stressful moving day, if it's like, okay, I'm just going to go stand outside for 10 minutes and just like listen to my music and not look at any of this stuff that we're trying to unpack or whatever, you know, just some, any kind of little bite-sized chunks of rest that you can get for yourself. Cause it really does help.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if you're going through like a purely cerebral, like big life change, Or, you know, it's some, I don't know, a big promotion or whatever. Like, give yourself a moment. Like, give mommy a minute, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Just like, yeah, chill out for a bit. Because maybe you do need time to adjust to this new big change. Even if it's just you need some emotional and mental time. Yeah, and
1: I think what's important there is that part of that means maybe backing off on some of your other normal commitments or Mm -hmm. things that you do, and that can be hard to do, because it's like, oh, this good thing happened, I shouldn't need to compromise on those, but just check in with yourself, be aware, and maybe give yourself more, I guess, sort of break time, whatever that looks like for you than you normally would, especially because you realize you're going to be busier with these changes.
0: Oh, yeah. I think because of this impending going to Australia thing that I'm on the cusp of, it Initially at the time felt like this wasn't related, but I made the choice to take a social media break. And in my brain, it was like totally unrelated. But then I realized afterwards, I was like, oh, yeah, this is so nice because it does help me to free up more mental and emotional bandwidth for dealing with all the crap that I have to deal with. Not even just the practical things, but just all my own emotions and feelings that come up as well as my partner's emotions and feelings that come up. Yeah. yeah,
2: Which we are going to talk more in the bonus episode about special considerations to think about if you are non-monogamous when these big life changes occur. So yeah, hopefully you got something out of this episode. I know it was a little bit more personal, like deep dive, but I think that a lot of these things can apply to whatever big life change you're going through, and hopefully you can navigate it and is the best way that you possibly can. We know that it's going to be difficult because even those happy, exciting life changes are stressful and challenging. And so give yourself some leeway. Give yourself like the gift of taking time to understand that you have to emotionally adjust. And that's totally okay. So our call to action question this week, which is going to be on our Instagram, is do you respond similarly or differently than your partner when a big life change occurs? And then how does that manifest? Are you excited? Are you happy? Are you nervous? Are you scared? Stuff like that. Do you feel like you and your partner align when a big life change occurs, or is it not really the same? So we're interested to hear that this week. The best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvinetta. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.